Welcome back to Inside Calhoun County. It's the official podcast of Calhoun County Governments. I'm Richard Pyatt. We've spent a number of episodes now visiting with folks inside Calhoun County who bring a certain perspective and expertise in the positions in which they hold. One of them is the Calhoun County Treasurer's Office, where we'll focus today. Brian Wensauer is the Calhoun County Treasurer, and he joins us today. Hello, Brian. Good afternoon, Richard, and I'm looking forward to having a conversation about what we do here at the County Treasurer's Office in Calhoun County. Yeah, let's start right there. What does the Treasurer's Office do anyway? Our main objective, of course, is collecting property taxes. We have 28 locals here in Calhoun County. We're the ones that have to look at delinquent taxes that come over from the locals. We used to average around $10.5 million uh, in delinquent taxes coming over per year. But last year, because of the increase in the tax rates, uh, it jumped up to about $11.6 million. Hmm. So a lot of people don't realize that it's the treasurer's office, not the county, that makes everybody whole. And when I say makes everybody whole, everybody that owns a home has had that nice little piece of paper come in that said, these are your taxes due for your winter and your summer. <laughs> and if you look at them this year, you'll notice they increased a little bit last year. <laughs> so That's the letter um, everybody looks forward to, isn't it? <laughs> oh, definitely. Me especially. I couldn't believe how much it jumped up. But anyway, we have to make everybody whole, including the county. So uh, that's one of the important things that we do. And uh, that kind of jumps into a little bit of what I like to call our exciting and our not exciting for 2023. <laughs> because one of the main things about collection of delinquent taxes is a program that uh, we're working with right now. And I call it the Primary Residential Exemption Tax uh, Repayment Program. We're actually partners with the uh, Goodwill Industries here located in Calhoun County. And we work with the Financial Opportunity Center. This partnership uh, program actually helps us uh, to educate property owners who have gotten behind on their taxes and it can be all different types of things, especially COVID caused a few difficulties sure. uh, with our commercial properties, not as much as our residential. But we did have some residential uh, that Melinda can kind of fill us a little bit in and how this program is working. It's been uh, actually an awesome program. We went before the county board uh, and asked for some uh, ARPA money, which is the American Rescue Plan Act. We utilized and funneled this money to Goodwill to have us work directly with these people to try and get them back on the right track and getting their local taxes paid so they don't come over delinquent. So, Melinda, you can give a little bit of a highlight there, if you would on how that program has transpired. Yeah, Melinda Weaver's here too, uh, the Chief Deputy Treasurer in Calhoun County. Please do share that, Melinda. We have these individuals do a hardship extension with us first. They have to show that they can do a monthly payment every single month and stay on track. And if they accomplish that, then we will set them up with the Goodwill Financial Opportunity Center and we will pay all their back taxes. And if they have current taxes, we will pay them as well with our ARPA funds, get them all caught up. And Goodwill Financial will make sure they're able to continue that monthly payment in a savings or some type of escrow 
to pay their taxes going forward. The first year we did it, we had 48 participants go through the program and we've had a 98% success rate of them keeping their taxes paid at the local unit. And that was our goal. Most of these individuals that got behind um, were seniors or veterans. Their spouse maybe passed away and they were used to two incomes and they were down to one. And once you get behind, unfortunately, the county treasurer has to follow the statute, which tells us how much interest and fees we have to add. And it's hard for them to get caught up on a fixed income. But once we get them caught up, and they can make that monthly payment and they set it aside. That's what the program has done. It's helped tremendously. We stay in contact with them. Financial Opportunity Center stays in contact with them. We make sure they're on the right track and what they need, more information or where else can you get food? Where else can you get help paying your utility bills? So Goodwill Financial helps them with that as well so that it frees up some money to pay their taxes. Yeah, they have some really good... um programs through Goodwill that a lot of people don't realize that are out there. The sad part is that some of our property owners fall through the cracks because of their income. They don't make enough to make ends meet, but they make too much to get the uh, help from some of the programs that like our senior services, and et cetera. They have income restrictions. We do not have income restrictions on this program. Okay. And that's why the success rate has been so Awesome. We're the only county in the state of Michigan that offers this program. What would be nice is if we could continue the program later on after ARPA funds are gone. And we're looking at uh, a funding model at some point uh, that would be able to continue this program and keep people from getting into that loop that eventually ends up as a foreclosure. One example, because Brian said um, business owners. And that's one thing that they can't get help with taxes, usually property taxes. So we had one young fella that came through our program that owned like four houses and he was a landlord. And so he was paying so much more money to do his landlord uh, agreements with the um, people that were running from him. So going through the Goodwill program, they taught him how to do all that. And so he has kept up on all four of his houses now. And it's, it's his business to succeed, to support his family. So we helped him with that. Plus those four people that were running those homes weren't out of a house because it foreclosed. Yeah. So we have five people there that have actually got a, you know, something out of the program. And this is what impresses me about this. First of all, the this is exactly the kind of thing the ARPA money was intended for, COVID-related hardships and trying to, to fix them. But uh, this kind of a situation is uh, really innovative, isn't it, in the sense that it yes. doesn't just address a foreclosure problem by saying, okay, well, we've got another property we have to deal with. It tries to correct the problem, doesn't it? Exactly. Another one that's called Home for Generations program that we kind of uh, picked up off of Washtenaw County, it's the probate issue. A lot of people don't realize we see when we go out and do our delinquent or our forfeiture, which is prior to doing foreclosure, we find out that uh, these people don't have a primary residential exemption. Then we try to delve into it and the team finds out that Well, maybe you've got five children that are left uh, the property 
and they don't know how to go through the probate system. Yeah. So this is a probate issue. This is something we haven't totally started yet. We've worked with, you know, Judge Jackanette and the team there. He is working with us on putting this program together. We haven't totally got it started. We're still doing the fine uh, tweaking for our county and how that would work. But that'll be something for an upcoming uh, podcast when sure. that program gets running. So let's just uh, for a second talk about what would happen if this program didn't help the folks that both of you alluded to. They would have been subject to a foreclosure at some point, right? That is correct. Yeah. And we would have to follow the statute. And that's where the not so exciting thing comes in was the Raffaele versus Oakland County. That happened actually in December of 2020. We actually are one of the only states out of nine states that have the same type of foreclosure process that has enacted legislation to deal with the surplus proceeds. Let's just talk for a second about the background of this. So this particular case focuses on what happens when a property is foreclosed upon. Let's suppose there's a tax foreclosure. There's there's taxes owed. They weren't paid. The the course of action, as you pointed out, Brian, is is to foreclose on that property, and then the county, yeah, the county would then resell it and keep correct. what they're owed, but also the rest of it. And this particular case has suggested that. Uh, in fact, the Michigan Supreme Court has suggested that it is not lawful to do that. And that uh, now I think what's pending, if I read correctly, is whether or not this is going to be retroactive. And I suppose that's the part right. you might be concerned about if it's retroactive. Real concerned. <laughs> yeah. We've actually in the middle of what they call a class action suit. We're um, just finishing this up right now. We want to get it over with. We had to follow legislation, and that's something I want to really point out. We had to follow the legislative uh, directives, and the directive was that this money was retained by the county treasurer and either given to the general fund or what we did. For those people that live in Albion, there was the old Darimple School that was built in 1908, and uh, last classes were 1964, and is set there as a derelict building. Mm -hmm. We took the, those funds that were from the auctions and money that we were able to retain in the treasurer's office and tore those buildings down. I don't know if you remember the state farm property in Marshall they walked away from. Guess who got it? Mm -hmm. The treasurer's office. Yeah, <laughs> We got stuck with the property. We tore that down. Uh, we tore down Union Steel. We've done a lot with those funds. We just didn't steal the money and just sit on it. It yeah. went back into the community. We were one of the only counties to ever do that, believe it or not. Yeah. It was something that started in our administration back when I was uh, elected as the treasurer going on eight years now. Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of the counties that have gone back and said, hey, Calhoun County, you guys are creative, and that's why I wanted to bring up the exciting parts. Yeah, They're looking at us. We're financially able to handle this crisis, thank goodness. There's a lot of counties that are not. Yeah, so that's true. That's the exciting parts. 
Well, the outcome of that case will be interesting to see, and uh, it is exciting to hear that uh, the Calhoun County Treasurer's Office has been recognized as as having dealt innovatively with with some of these things. You know, before we go, I wonder, there are other things the Treasurer's Office does, right? What are some of those other things, Brian? A lot of people don't know we collect uh, the uh, dog licensing. (laughs) We're in charge of that program. We've done some exciting things there, uh, Melinda. We switched the dog licensing program so individuals can now get their dog licenses online if they want. Um, That's probably one of the biggest things. If you find a dog, um, you can call the treasurer's office. If it has a license, we'll be able to tell you who the owner is. So those are a couple new things that are nice. Um, Some other things, though, Brian, that you do as a treasurer is um, your investments. You invest all the money for the county. You collect um, accommodation tax. There are so many things that happen. We have a trailer tax that we collect, and we have... I actually go out and visit these places that they get behind. I knock on their door and say, hey, did you know that you got an accommodation tax? And we're working on one for Airbnb. Yeah. They're thinking they have to pay this. Oh, yes, they do. So I'm actually working with the state and on how do we deal with these Airbnb or Vibos or whatever they call them now. Yeah, yeah. They have the same obligation as a hotel or a motel. Uh, they collect them, but they don't pay them. That's one of the things that the treasurer's office also does. Yeah, so in anybody who stayed in a hotel, probably anywhere, notices that if you look at the breakdown on your bill at the end of the stay, there's usually uh, an accommodation tax that's included. This is what you're talking about. Folks who come and visit and spend money staying in hotels are uh, paying part of uh, a fee that helps the uh, municipality where they're situated. Yeah. Yep. And um, we yeah. have Albion, we have Marshall, and we have Battle Creek that receive that money based on uh, their exposure and how much money that they spend. Uh, um, in other words, if Battle Creek collects more than Marshall or Albion, they get a little bit higher percentage of that accommodation tax for marketing mm-hmm. purposes. Yeah. Which back comes back to the local restaurants, um, et cetera. Because if people are there, they're going to possibly go out and eat. And, uh, do things like go to the zoo here in Battle Creek. Uh, enjoy what Calhoun County has to offer. Well, it's been interesting to hear about this, and I expect that we will hear from you again, perhaps both of you, about uh, some of the progress that's being made in all of these areas. But congratulations on, as you put it, Brian, the exciting things in the uh, county yes. treasurer's office in Calhoun County. So thank you both very much, Brian Wensauer. Treasurer in Calhoun County and Melinda Weber, Chief Deputy Treasurer here on the Inside Calhoun County Podcast. 